0: We're going in a different direction here on Grassroots Marketing, CannabisRio.com. Because our, my next guest is not, well, uh, not a entrepreneur He's not in, into the business of cannabis, but he's definitely has been an enthusiast. You could say a bit of an advocate. And <laughs> he's a podcast host and a musician. He hosts a podcast of his own called Damaged Goods. He's written a couple of books which contain a hilarious collection of essays titled The Waiting Room. And it's followed to his other book, Quicksand. And... It's the way it was written by the PR, the people that brought this interview to me was um, writing with the approach of an Irish funeral, laughing through the rough parts with celebration and being comfortable in his vulnerability. I'm with Jake the Snake Frazic or yeah. S. thanks for being all yeah, this.
1: Yeah. Us. Uh, usually, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, usually, Frazic is a hard name, Frazic people. So I mean, dude, since I've been you know months old, it's been a tough one, so. Jake the Snake, the nickname, because Rhyme came about at an early age, and I stuck with it because these people could say it, you know? So now, what, Franzik is uh, the last name. Where does that come
0: from? What nationality? It's Polish. My uh, father's parents from uh, Poland. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you were originally born in Massachusetts, but then you yep. also took time where you lived uh, in the West Indies.
1: Yeah, in the Caribbean. So in the Caribbean, yeah. and then you come back to Boston. Yeah. I was supposed to be born there and. um uh, it was like just by a few weeks that I wasn't, my father was upset because if you're not born somewhere, you know, you can't ever become president. Right. Uh, He had lofty ideas that I was going to become president of uh, this Island Montserrat, which would have never happened. But now I was flown back. uh, My mother, I was a rough baby to give birth to. I was a big guy. So I gave her, um, I gave her hell, I guess. So we came back here for medical reasons and then flew right back down, you know, after like two months.
0: So, one of the things that came across with this story was the fact that before you got into podcasting, before you became an author, you were a musician, and yeah. you have been a an indie hip hop artist at a group called Blue Gold. You traveled the country, you played shows, worked yeah. a number of projects together, and you know the transition from musician to content creator makes a lot of sense. Now, talk to me about where the tie into cannabis comes in, and really, it's about when well, we talk about. You know, we always know about the uh when you're out there as musicians, sex, drugs, rock and roll, kind of that whole feeling of where all those musicians before you did. Talk to me about where it comes from with you and you know, what's your attachment to cannabis?
1: Um well like the arts, when I was a young kid, I was really into painting and drawing, so my my eyes, the visuals were attracting my eyes. And, you know, years before I ever played music, I grew up hearing music. My father owned like a nightclub at bars. So my ears, you know, I'm getting this, this this noise all the time in my ears that I love. And, you know, since I was a wee lad, a little boy, I, I just smelt something in the house at the clubs all the time. And you get a little older, you get to be 10 or 11, and now you're starting to put things together. And, uh, you know, cannabis was just in my realm well before I'd ever used it as a kid and um, and then, you know, you start dabbling and then you write music and you're doing arts. You always hear people you know talk about utilizing certain substances to either get away creative blocks or open up portals of their mind or whatever. Just tap in and focus. Really, for me, it would eventually be coming about focus, helping with ADD. But I just slowly, not even slow. That's the wrong word. I started incorporating it into my life pretty young when I was like 13 Um and it stayed with me through whatever art I was doing. When music, you know, late nights in the studio, you're writing. Mm-hmm. It would always help me just focus. I, I was always told to get um, Adderall and Ritalin as a kid, you know, ADD. My parents, thank God, never put me on it. But but cannabis really was like that for me. It, it allowed me to focus even when it transitioned into writing um, or broadcasting. If I'm doing an, a podcast or an interview, I'm kind of locked into the discussion it helps like that and with writing the same way i I, i'm easily distracted and cannabis helps prevent that distraction it's definitely aided me at least in my artistic endeavors
0: when you look at how many artists are out there when it comes to comedians comes to musicians when it comes to anybody that has to perform on stage and you look at how many people that are out there that have already been vocally you know positive and have endorsed and have really said a lot about cannabis to those that have even been in the business, into the business of being in cannabis, wherever that might be. Do we only see those that are actually very vocal about it? Is it more or less that there might be a, silent, a, a very vocal minority out there, but really a solid majority of those musicians, performers, artists, comedians that are using it more,
1: that just have not spoken up yet? That's what I think, certainly. And as time keeps going on with more and more states either decriminalizing or full-on legalizing, I think, you know, that old stigma is starting to get pulled away, uh, especially with older artists. I mean, people my generation and younger, I think they're quite more vocal. I don't think they hold back as much because… It isn't such a stigma, you know. Um, It depends, though, like, you know, some people hold back because what other endorsements do they have? You know, do they have like a Pepsi uh, behind them or Red Bull or, excuse me, some, you know, other sponsors, if you will, might not be keen on that. So I think some people probably do it strategically to hold back for money. Most people do shit for money or don't do shit for money, even in the arts, I've learned. But those that are pretty, I mean, some people, it is their goddamn brain, like, you know, Snoop Dogg or Willie Nelson. Um, and I, you know, I, I've had cannabis sponsors for my podcast. Um, and then also working as a roadie touring with musicians, we would get huge, I don't know if you call them sponsorships, but everyone from Puffco to Chiba Chews just donating excess amount of goods to us. Um, and now we're wearing their shirts when we're working on stages and shit like that. Uh, And I think, you know, people are caring about keeping it low key, less and less, unless it's very much against their brand. It's all about images, you know, and music and all that shit is very important for me. I'm kind of a wild dude. I've been around substances my whole life, especially cannabis, since I was a child. It's very much in my writing and my music. So I don't really hold back. I mean, I don't wear like, you know, printed shirts with leafs on it. I'm not like Snoop Dogg or Willie Nelson, but I don't I don't hold any punches about it.
0: When it comes to the radio show, Damage Goods, the podcast, mm-hmm. there are some times where you will go ahead and talk about munchies, you'll talk about cannabis, you'll talk about various yeah. areas. So you've obviously you've embraced the culture. Yeah. And when it comes to the culture, I mean, what is it that you want to inject into the book, The Waiting Room, and the podcast? Like how how much a priority is it to you?
1: Well, I, I think um, – you know, when you're young, and they I, they had dares, dare programs in my school, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: all these things where they inundate you with information or really is misinformation about different drugs, and then you know cannabis was always one of them, and they're telling you all these things that you kind of felt were bullshit, and if you're smoking weed at the time as a young kid, you're realizing that that these things they're saying about cannabis are bullshit. But then it makes you think. Well, what about all the other things they're telling me about? It? All these other substances are that bullshit. And I think that misinformation um, kind of guides people down some of the wrong paths. So I just think being honest about it and and transparent about it is important, so people know. And 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 I would say every substance of any kind, whether it's apple juice or cannabis or fentanyl or 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 tobacco, whatever it is, it can be. It could treat everybody differently. So while cannabis does work great for me, and I've seen it be so beneficial, like my new book, uh, my father's dying of cancer, and he was already a cannabis user, but we're we're using it, me and him, because I'm I'm his caretaker all day. He's using this stuff called Rick Simpson oil, which you might yep. be a familiar, right? Very familiar, Highly yep. concentrated. I mean, a rice kernel size will knock the average smoker on their ass. So he's using it for medicinal reasons um during during his his battle with cancer and i'm putting that in the book to show people how it helps and, and and how it was absolutely a, a necessity for him just to maintain an appetite to eat let alone minimizing the pain and uh i just like to be honest because sometimes it has had you know negative effects for me but overall good and I'm, I'm pretty open about that i like to be open about it in the podcast and in the book
0: also in the podcast itself, Damaged Goods, you do a lot for giving a lot of people a platform. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if we wanted to go and go past the the bubble that is of of all these major high-end A-list celebrities out there, there are so many other touch points than celebrity, those that want to be a bigger name yeah. or that are just kind of like have a, have a micro audience, but have yeah. a cult following and I have people that know who they are and they have a following and people don't understand how some – People that are influencers become, you know, with such a large audience, things like that. Talk yeah. about, you know, what it takes for those uh, of, of the people that you bring on. How many of them are actually that you've made contact with in, a, in, you know, in the circles you've been around and those that you've kind of just approached? and just had a chance. Oh, I like their story. We're going to bring them on.
1: Uh, I mean, some people are, are recommended to me by somebody else who's been a guest. Some people hit me up. Usually a lot of people with random submissions, you know, it's not like a radio interview where I'm going to help them necessarily promote their new album. I want to have some kind of conversation that will reveal a bit about your life and your art behind it, but like, you know, in-depth, interesting shit, not the run of the mill questions. So I try to look for people that have interesting stories in the arts but you know something that I'm interested in that I think would be interesting but also somebody who's going to be good at what you you do what I do like talking you know some painters Ain't that interesting to hear on the mic, right? No. You know, some musicians, when they're not singing, like the the rhythm guitarist might not be a good combo. So I try to, you know, weed that out through my initial interactions with people, because if I have to be talking the whole time, carrying it, I could have just fucking done a solo episode, you know? And I like people who have colorful stories about shit and who aren't afraid to share things like if it's their cannabis use or their past use or something else they're not proud of and talk about that, you know? And the other thing
0: too is, well, and I get where you're coming from right there, but also I got to say that I noticed that you have gone back, sparking back as 2017 doing the show. Mm-hmm. So it's not where the, this whole heyday of everybody just jumping on board, getting a podcast mic during pandemic, during lockdown, <laughs> let's all do a show or let's get it on video and let's go and just put something out there. We can post clips everywhere we want because honestly, I look on TikTok, TikTok feed my FYP, everybody's got like a Sure MV7, they got the, the Joe Rogan microphone, whatever it is, and they're all doing the same thing. Like, let's go to make clips, 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 clips. Let's just keep doing interviews. But it's like, with some <laughs> people, they want to just talk about things that are very familiar, but with your show, what I noticed is, I'm not saying that you don't have people that come on board that don't have something to talk about. The, of course they do, but the other thing too is that there are people we don't know. And it's yeah. like, it's a platform that people get to go on. That's where I've come from, where I like the idea of, of having shows that are out there that, you know, if the host does a good job, that we're going to guests and you get the most out of those guests. Yeah. You're able to put a podcast together that people are going to be interested in and you have enough onus that no matter the audience, you're sticking around and doing it. So I'm about to be 10 years in December doing my own podcast series, 700 plus episodes on Shit. one that's just on wrestling. And listen, there's a whole lot of people doing on wrestling, but I have a yeah. different take on it. And I might yeah. have other people doing on another program, that I do on the media where I talk to media types that are not going to be the biggest names out there. But you know what? It's, I wanted to talk about some people that really just some interesting stories I want to get and, you know, take the submissions, see what I can do with them, and let's bring them on board. And I enjoyed yeah. that for a while. But it's like you never have you know, the fact that you're able to go and get a book out now, two books, the podcast, you always have a place where you can get yourself out there and get something to say yeah so talk about the connection that you have and could you would you say at all that you know just the culture how much how much would you say of the people that you connect with now through the podcast in your own travels
1: this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: How much has cannabis been a gateway or yeah, or weed has been a gateway to kind of really connect and bond with people?
1: I think it's it's like um, sometimes it's like a glue. But it's like the connecting pieces and Legos. It brings so many people together. When you know that somebody else smokes now, then you know you you, you know you don't have to like keep it a secret. Not that you're holding it in like you're Anne Frank in the attic, but you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you can be. A little like you don't have to give the eye and then you don't have to worry if you smell, if they smell. And now you can actually share a moment when you smoke with somebody. You, you let your guard down. They let their guard down. Now I might be more receptive to listen to what you got to say when I didn't know you from a hole in the wall five minutes earlier. Now we're a little blazed. Oh, man, this guy is kind of interesting. This person's got something to say. And hopefully they find the same about me. And I've met so many people that end up coming on the podcast because you smoke, they relax, they let their guard down. Especially if it's somebody, maybe they're a little more well known than me, or they they, they got a big big fan base. It makes them kind of I don't know it humbles everybody. I think God's can humble people, so it takes away a little bit of the ego, and people are more on a one on one human thing. They're not thinking about their image as much, or, or their 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 brand. And then it allows for people to connect and then really just get open and have a good conversation that's not so surface level. A lot of people I've met like that are touring, you know, and I find I don't even know what they do. And I oh, this guy works for a publishing company and now we're blazed together. He might want to hear about my book where a few minutes earlier he might not want it. You know, it goes a long way. And I think this might sound kind of weird, but I think when a fellow consumer of cannabis finds out that you do, they almost like you a little more. I know that sounds kind of superficial, but it's true. I think you're welcome to welcome to the family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it, it mm. is. It, but it's like, and I don't, I mean, you know, and I get that part. It's just, but the other thing too is just, um, I mean, it is tough for to put out content that we're going to be really interested in and to have something where I don't think it's so much a stigma of cannabis that's so much a bad thing, but just think, There are, there's a normalization, obviously. Legalization will come someday. There's a lot more states that have it where you want to get a medical marijuana card, you want to go ahead and smoke, you want to even just get Delta Eight, you can do it now. So there's a lot of ways to get it and it's being legitimized. But I also think people that are in the cannabis culture, they still want to have it like, listen, get the sleeves tatted up. You still want to have like a certain kind of music you want to listen to make it you know something a little bit psychedelic just the stereotype still continues and you know what is it to break the stigma there of people being able to show that listen you can be a whatever culture whatever kind of background whatever kind of you know income level that you have like you don't have to have a certain look the cannabis look doesn't have to be a certain look yeah what do you think about you know the idea where you can you know, but you where you see people that are just like you know three piece suit. All of a sudden, yeah. they're they're rolling a joint, or they're just you know opening up a vape, or or you see just you know like I don't know supermodels, something like that, where it's like completely unconventional. Yeah. People that don't fit that that culture, the stigma that you see all of a sudden embracing cannabis because they've always have.
1: Yeah, I mean. I like it when I see some dude who looks like he just came from foreclosing on someone's house in Wall Street in a three-piece suit lighting up. Like, that's just cool to me because it makes me be like, all right, you know? I mean, it makes you feel like there's a little more hope in the world or like, you know, the supermodel who might be, you know, too wound up or your aunt that's all stressed out, wound up, but she's fucking eating edibles in the kitchen. Like, that makes me happy. Um, or when you travel the world, you know, I'd be traveling to music in other countries and, you know, procuring cannabis in other countries is different, different laws, different qualities, but you'll see people that you didn't, you know, you see the person you think, okay, this guy looks like he might be the guy I can help get it from. And then you're surprised when he's like, no, or then the, the randomest looking person is, is the guy that's got the fucking nugs, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, think as like you're saying, it's getting more normalized, you're finding people don't have to like, I don't have to be a white dude with dreads and a hacky sack to smoke weed. Like you can be whatever the guy that they think is a little more uptight or square. You don't have to adopt the costume. I think for a while people were like, they smoke a little weed and they do adopt the costume. You know, now they got a Jefferson airplane poster in the living room or some shit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't need to have everybody look like Spicoli. I don't anybody to be like Seth Rogen. I don't anybody to be like Snoop Dogg. That is exactly. like there's just a, that's the 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 profile of a cannabis user. No, I don't want that. I want everybody. Yeah. I want very beautiful people to be out there vaping it up and doing that and be open to show that because I just I know that people do and it's like I want there to be like that that feeling of like okay everybody's out there doing it because i think that's what changes the whole stigma of yeah. cannabis altogether. together is that when you see anybody and everybody yeah. um, willing to go ahead it's not it's just like cigarettes just like everything else it's just another vice and people are out there and there's no judgment to
1: it yeah good point man i i, I like that and you know at least like i'm in california where it's it's pretty fucking everywhere i've noticed slowly that I maybe just because of am where my nose is at, and I don't smoke cigarettes, I don't smoke tobacco. I feel like I see more casual cannabis smoking in public than than cigarette smoking now. And almost like not that people are hiding smoking the cigarettes, but the way other people look at the cigarette smoker is almost with this disdain that they might have 20 years ago looked at the weed smoker, you know, because the smell is a little if you're a non-smoker of anything. I imagine the cigarette smokes a little more intrusive. It lingers in clothes. It's very unappetizing. For people who don't smoke weed, I know a lot of people who like the smell, nonetheless. So I'm slowly seeing that, but that's California. If I go to fucking Nebraska or Iowa, I'm sure the story's different, you know?
0: Yeah. There's a whole lot there. So yeah. the, the show is the Damage Goods Podcast. Look for it on mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts or wherever you find podcasts. So the website is damagedgoods.com. Goodspodcast.com. You can look for Correct. everything there. Plus, you have two books out there. The most recent one is The Waiting Room, uh, yeah. They're on paperback and Kindle. Look for yeah. it on Amazon.
1: Yeah, everywhere. But Amazon's probably the big seller.
0: Well, that's where I go everything in there now. I'm just waiting. You know,
1: when you get the Audible copy, let me know about that. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, yeah. A- I, there's an Audible of the first book, and the new one's coming out in about a month. So the new one. So And I read it, too. It's not some weirdo dude that they hire, you know, uh, my own voice reading. So, yeah.
0: Right, right. Now, uh, obviously, you know, there's that. And then I also got to make a point of, well, I mean, if you are performing, I don't know how often you perform it now, but do you have any gigs coming up? Any uh, upcoming dates?
1: Oh no! I don't. I haven't been performing music in a few years. I totally transitioned uh, to broadcasting. I had a radio show up until recently, on top of the podcast and just writing. So no like, stand-up at all. No, no, uh, on stage stuff. No, I mean, I'd read like book stuff, you know, like a reading. Oh. But I had no more music. Yeah, I, I kind of like slowly put that one um, in the in the closet. It just long story short, just to. Uh, some bad music industry experiences had me transitioning my artistic talents into writing and broadcasting where I don't have to bite my tongue and I can be more myself, which I love.
0: Well, also the music business, when you look at everything that's going on now from every legacy artist that's, you know, selling out their publishing rights and, you know, trying to get back their masters and trying to get, you know, whatever kind of money they get to the people that are now trying to – make money off of royalties or try to get anything off of streaming now you know pennies on the dollar that kind of business now and the record labels being exposed for the corruption that they are that doesn't uh, that music business doesn't sound so good anymore yeah it's
1: not so appealing i much prefer what i do now artistically i'm more satisfied and i don't have to deal with as much negativity and evil people shit so
0: so there we have it. Okay, damagegoodspodcast.com. Look for the books, The Waiting Room and Quick Sam, by you, author, man. musician, Jake the Snake Frazek. Thanks yeah. for being on this with Jake. Appreciate, really appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks for having it. me. Have a good one.
1: All right.